with David Ian and Kate Dale. The show that plums the depths of mediocrity, celebrates the ordinary, and enjoys the everyday. Hello and welcome to Mediocre Gay, the podcast, the show in which we celebrate the banal and rejoice in the ordinary. My name's Kate Dale. And I'm David Ian. And today we are really excited because it's our first show with a guest. So we have got a stand-up comedian, London-based, with his own comedy night called Comedy Cliff. Jeremy Topp is with us. Welcome, Jeremy. Thank you so much for having me. This is incredible. Uh, First question. Mm -hmm. Comedy Cliff, named after Cliff Richard? Sir Cliff Richard. Sir Cliff Richard. So uh, about five years ago... um, me and my friends were drunk and we've got this ongoing joke that every time you see a sign you go cliff like the young ones um and then we were like let's put on a comedy night i'd done two gigs so i thought i was you know a professional and um then yeah the comedy cliff was born and all the branding (laughs) branding um (laughs) all my posters that i created on like the instagram app had a picture of cliff richard's face on it and you are actually a gay full-blown Amazing. So uh, this is quite a queer podcast today. Just to be clear, is it, actually, is it? Oh, um, although the podcast is called Mediocre Gay, the podcast, mm-hmm. it's because of my show, Mediocre Gay. Which I saw, by the way, which was incredible. Thank opening you. night. Thank yeah. you. Oh, don't give okay, me that's that. enough now. That's enough. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. That's not what this is about. Um, but like the show is not just for gays and bisexuals and queer people. It's for all people that think that they're mediocre. Sure. So um, I'm sure in the future we'll find some straight people to come on. Yeah. It's so hard to find them these yeah, days. There's not many of them. But in the meantime, we've got a big old gay. So you live with Trevor? Yep. We've been together for 12 years. 12 years? 12 years. Wow, but you only look 15. Um, so I, I have questions about that. Not about <laughs> how you're going to look, but, but so 15 years is a long time for a relationship. Yes. How have you stopped it being mediocre? Is see what I've done there? We haven't. You fully just embraced embrace the media. Oh, I, I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we have just fully embraced that sometimes we'll have long periods of not touching or no speaking. And that's fine. It's that bit when you think, I've got to do this. I have to do that. You know, we've they're doing that. So we, we have and that's when I think the pressure gets to you and you go, We're not in a relationship anymore. We're not, we're not connecting every day. We're not snuggling. No, fuck that. I'm a human being who doesn't really like people. So, you know, I don't see my mum for months on, on ends, right? My partner, sometimes we... But we just sort of one day were like, I don't want to see you for a few days. Or we don't want to, you know, touch. And th- you accept it. And it was this amazing thing. We were like, I want to die by your side. Well, maybe over there. <laughs> <laughs> and not today. <laughs> it's not a suicide pact, no. I don't even know what you genuinely... I've never seen you. So lost for words. I'm quite enjoying it, Jeremy. Sorry, I... David. It's episode two. We're like, I don't know, three minutes in. And you've just given me the best life advice I've heard. Roll with it. Like, this is why none of my relationships have worked. Yeah. And it's not the same as like having low expectations. It's allowing yourself just to be free in the mundane of it. Like, if we're in this together forever. Oh, by the way, I really don't think that people are like the one. So when I'm asked that by straight people, I... Obviously. (laughs) I never, I'm like, I don't know, we might break up next year. I don't know. I love it as it is right yeah, now. Yeah, how it exists right now. We've worked really hard for that. We have worked hard in our relationship because we, you know, we broke up when we were first together and I was, I was really all over the shop as well. He's eight years older than me. 
Okay. So there was an adjustment. I was 23, he was 30. Yes, you were at different places. 30. Yeah. <laughs> Maths? No. <laughs> um, and it's just, it's just, but yeah, as I said, I don't know if we'll, we'll be in for the, the, I want to be in it for the long run, but you, you know, in 10 years' time, we might completely fall out of love and it will just be over and it will be, thank you so much for the time that we had. That's the way I look about things. You just I don't know. I just, sorry, there's so much to unpack from all of that, but I love that. I love that. I absolutely agree with you. I don't believe in the one. No. Um, and I think that sort of expectation of those, that there's one person in the world who's uniquely matched who is going to be your your lover, your best friend, your confidence, your comfort, the pressure, your the pressure. possibly the parents of your children if you go down that route. The pressure to find that and the pressure that puts on it. Exactly. So if you have an argument, then, oh, my God. So I think that screws things a lot of things up. But then also, I've completely lost my train of thought something else you just said as well, <laughs> which I really loved as well. What was it? Uh, damn it. Embracing the mediocrity of it. Embracing the mediocrity, embracing the mentality. It was something else about... It'll come back to me. See, I don't feel like I can really take part in this conversation because I have, like, relationships are the thing that I'm worst at in the whole world. I've only done it once. (laughs) Yes, but for, like, forever. So, yeah, like, genuinely, my longest relationship is with my dog. I've remembered what else I was going to say now. So um, I think it's also that they're here for today because I think there's, I think actually not just in terms of romantic relationships or life partners, but the relationships you have in your life which are very intense and very meaningful and are perfect for now and it might be a friendship the last year or two which oh meant God, and, we were talking about that the other day yeah that lasts an awful lot yeah. and over me that and, it, and you might evolve and move on and that's fine but this sort of belief that we have if it doesn't last forever then it wasn't worth anything in the first place exactly. i think is absolute rubbish as well and that yeah. thing where like people almost get like oh we were friends it's really sad we don't talk anymore well sometimes it's that thing of like do you know what we, we're not friends anymore we had a good time we may have realized that we weren't write each other's atmospheres and you just say thank you very much move on and it doesn't change what it was before yeah exactly your life life is long to to, to, if we're lucky so you know if we can have people come in our lives for like five ten years and then they just go off and do different things like we're transit we move on yeah like accept it move on find someone else if that doesn't work just 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 i think what jeremy's saying is very soon we won't be friends anymore (laughs) it's been lovely knowing jeremy i'm I'm always phasing you out in my head Get to the end of the episode and then bye. <laughs> that was really special. Thank you. Life moves on. Oh, no. I, well, that was unexpected. That, Are you saying that you didn't expect that Jeremy me. to have unexpected well, depths? That was different. <laughs> no, no. I knew Jeremy was deep. Um, I feel like I need a little, like, um, drum yeah. beat. Like, Every little sound effect. But mm-hmm. I just didn't expect, I don't know. It was really, yeah, that, that was really special. I'm going to listen back to that. Yeah, I've got a book coming out next week, actually. It's all about Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Okay. Um, what are we gonna what do we start with? In terms we talk about mediocre. Uh, what does mediocre mean to you? Well, thank you for asking. I made notes. Oh my god. I'm the only one that wasn't prepared for this. But you this is all this is all your it's there. You spend the last you six could... months preparing for this, remember? Which is born me. So right? one of the first things I had to do was actually Google the word mediocre because I think I've actually got it wrong my entire life. <laughs> Well, so no wonder you enjoyed my show. Actually, yeah, this is revelation. (laughs) So good. No, so I, I, no, I didn't get it wrong. So, so mediocre to me, I thought literally, and I, and I think I'm right, but I think over the years, it's actually people have taken it for a different meaning. So, I think mediocre for me always meant average. But actually, looking on like um, in modern conversation, people tend to find mediocre as scrabbling below average yeah right so for me i actually thought it just meant totally average which in my world is the best i can do so no but uh, so i forever am 12 years old 
doing PE in school, right? Damaged. Yeah, I hear. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, with my adult voice on, I lead that inner child and, you know, we, we, we cope through our day-to-day God, stuff. that's so interesting that you should say that because I would literally beg to be average in PE at school. Oh my God. The best, if I could be average, if I could be low status. Yeah. Average, maybe some things, but I would, and you've touched on this in your show as well, but for me, it's about making myself as small as possible and things that I enjoyed, like drama, art, music, I would purposely be crap at because I didn't want to, the alarm bells to go off to people yeah. to think I was queer. So that mediocre is actually quite a triggery word for me because I, I, I took it as I did it to myself because I didn't want anyone to think I was good because excelling was gay. <laughs> yeah, no, because you'd be Crazy. seen for who you are. Exactly. And gross. Yeah. <laughs> no, thanks. I know. And also, it's really interesting that you say that about um, when you were like, everybody, it was, you think of it as average, but now everybody thinks of it as below average, which you touched on in the last episode. I think that's because we're all, or part of that is because everybody is so interested in chasing the extraordinary, especially with social media and things like that. It's about having like Instagrammable moments and like showing like everything being incredible. Just the mundane every day, really enjoying a piece of toast or whatever. Yeah. Isn't like you couldn't put that on Instagram. Or you could, but people don't. Yep. And so that's like seeing that that's just mon- like just that mediocre isn't enough. And I do for keto, so a nice piece of toast oh, actually. You <laughs> oh, you'd love it. It's, like porn. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, I think because there's been a verbal inflation. I think, and I was uh, things like the word adequate as well. Adequate literally means enough, sufficient. Mm. Yep. And yeah, if you've told them that was adequate, it's bad. It's negative. Yeah. And so that constant inflation of everything having to be amazing and wonderful and extraordinary. And if everything's extraordinary all the time, then the, the, nothing's the, extraordinary. The extraordinary is ordinary, isn't it? Yeah. And you just you're just constantly resetting your base. Well, your I think line. you know on Grinder, everyone's XXL. So yeah, I actually started going out with Trevor before Grinder existed, which is, makes me feel so. Oh, so do I have to explain this? Yeah. So what, so something about like you find like a, a nice gentleman, you go out for dinner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, so where, nice. it's where you find men, men for dinner, and then um, prior to the dinner date, generally a lot of them will put on their profile they'll be like XXL and all that only interested in XXL. But so many of them are XXL. Right. That just mean they've got a big appetite. Yeah, yeah, that's what that means. Okay. Shopping at big and large. Yeah, okay. long tall Sally. Yeah, that's what. Long yeah, Sally. but like if everybody is XXL, then that's now average, isn't it? Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with a bit small. And let me tell you. <laughs> It's in go. the palm of your hand. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the noise you make? <laughs> 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 and now I'm understanding Trevor's no touching rule. But there you go. <laughs> yeah. Turns out it's Trevor that's the that's the saint. No. Okay, so tell uh, is that your full like was there more in your book on mediocre? What you Yeah, I've written seventeen pages. How long is this? <laughs> you can have as long as you can want. Can I do another fascinating etymological I was talking about doing etymology? I don't suppose there's reference. any stopping you. No, it's not. It actually comes the word mediocre from Latin. Uh, uh and its literal translation was suitably mountainous. Because it was in the middle, so it's like halfway up basically. Suitably mountainous. Really? It means suitably mountainous. Uh, yeah. Do you know Which what? Very, I'd quite happily be super, super Me too. Mountainous. Me too. So, so Jeremy, tell us about something that you love, but that other people think is mediocre and why. Well, thank you for the question. So I Thank you for the question. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you're here. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so I had discussed this with uh, my partner, Trevor, because we do live in, um, relish in mediocre things, but uh, what I am presenting to you today is a... Uh, probably the most mediocre TV show in the UK, which is BBC One's EastEnders. 
of which I have not missed an episode since 1992. Wow. Yeah. How many hours have like, you allowed since that? No, nothing. Nothing. And, the, well, I mean, don't get me wrong, there might have been like, I don't know, the old, um, I don't know, September 11th, 2001, I might have missed a little bit of an episode or something like that. What but about when you go on holiday? No, this is the good thing about everything being recorded now. I come back and I've got like 19 episodes to binge watch. But I have to tell you this, right? So it's really important, you know, this. there's various reasons why I love it's EastEnders. It's really affecting my opinion of you I right know. now. <laughs> I know. Everyone's the same, right? So I'm well aware that EastEnders is not everyone's cup of tea because uh, uh, the writing's ridiculous. It's so lazy and it's just, it's a soap opera. So it's, it, it's not, I'm not watching it to be like, oh, wasn't that a skillfully written character plot? Like, oh, this is so emotionally driven. I, I'm, I'm watching it because they are real people in Alfred, Alfred Square. I've got the name. Albert. Albert. That's the one. Calls himself a fan. <laughs> no, but I'm also really thick. <laughs> I'm only saying I'm also dumb. Okay. No, so I and I um they're real people. They are real people that I that I have an interaction with more than my actual real family. And one of the reasons why I I, I liked EastEnders so much <laughs> from a young age is because starting to remember what EastEnders was 92, 93, 94, in my head I got this like nostalgic view of the 90s where everything was just smaller. So there wasn't such a big choice. And every, like, it was, EastEnders was a bit of a zeitgeist back then. So people were like, you know, there was 30 million viewers. Yeah, there was nothing else to watch. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. So there was like, you were part of something, yeah. you know, and it felt, dare I say, safe to be in that. Like, yeah. I imagine that it's what people in football factories feel like, I, I guess. Football factories? What the hell is a football factory? Yeah, you know, there's hooligans yeah. all those... So like tribes and oh, things, where you've got they, your gang yes, and you're... Yes, football men beat each other up. Are they called factories? Yeah. Football, like, like firms. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Like, there's like safety in the numbers it. of everybody. Yeah, and you know, there, was, there wasn't the choice and it was very much... You know, it was, it, was, it was something that was... It felt very much like within my family. It felt our... I mean, like, you are right. Nothing is a hit now like it was... Back no. then, because there's so much more choice, there's so many more channels. It was there's the front so many more page of like the papers, wasn't yeah. it? When, when there's something yeah. like you know, a gay kiss, which really we'll talk about a different time, but that really was like big, yeah, like, like a big deal for me. And remembering the backlash it got me, me thinking. So why EastEnders and not what's the other one called? Coronation Street. Coronation Street. So I just because it was my family's all from London, so there was like a oh that could have. Being oh, something you knew that, the characters. Correct, yeah. My my mum is a is a dark head version of Peggy. Like <gasps> she's four foot nine, feisty, sounds a bit like her, to be honest with you. So I can't see it. Yeah. Can't you? Yeah. I look like a Mitchell. Oh, well, I was gonna I say, look, I knew that was gonna be. I've got this fantasy. The youngest, that, hottest one, obviously. No, but I've got this fantasy where I'm like walking around like El, is it Elstree when it gets filmed? Elstree. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, <laughs> and they're like oh my God, Jeremy, do you fancy being like the young, sexy Ben when we're bringing him in? And I'm like, yeah, oh no, well, oh, yeah, God. okay, fine. And I put my, you know, I, I just get, and, and then I'm in the extenders and so, I'm like, I, this is this is meant to be. Are you often walking around Elstree in case that happens? I'm doing it after the show. Fantastic. <laughs> I think this is brilliant entry for the, why do I trying to make it a thing? But um, because it's also, I think, the details of EastEnders, certainly back then, and in the early, I watched it in the early years, and so going back from the very beginning when it was Who Got Michelle Pregnant and then Den and Angie's Divorce Papers, you will have no idea what I'm talking no, about. No, I do. Because I I've do. got yeah, Anita Dobson yeah. single. Anyone can fall in love. I do actually have that on my iTunes. Because there's something absurd about singing to, yeah. uh, writing lyrics to the theme tune of the show that you're in. She sang it in an episode. Mm. Yeah. 
Like, is it Nick Berry? Oh, Nick Berry. Did the same, yeah. did the same yeah. thing. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, oh and podcast. Nick Every Loser Wins. <laughs> this is now the EastEnders podcast <laughs> by Jeremy Top. Thank you for watching. But it's, it's the mundane details of everyday life, and that's when I think soap operas are at their best, actually, is when it's just, and it's lives like yours, slightly heightened, obviously, and slightly embellished. But it's the everydayness, and it's when they start having to do the big crashes and fires and things. And I know they need to from time to time. I think they lose it. And they I, turn that budget up just ever so slightly, yeah, and it gets really ridiculous. To burn off a set or kill off some people, so I think we Correct. might as well make it. Yeah. Into a Fun fact: line. episode um, of EastEnders 2017. Um, one of the the daughters of I can't remember his name, one of the ginger ones, uh, got knocked out by an avocado, and it was big news. <laughs> Mundane? That's mediocre, right? I'll yeah, bet that, that was an avocado that she had bought, being told it was ripe and ready, and it was not ripe and ready. So ripe and ready avocado would not knock you out, it would just smush. Yeah, exactly, heartbroken. Um, yeah. Not for guacamole. Yeah. So I have a question. Is is there anything to do with, like, is it easy watching? Is that part of what it is? Like, you don't have to concentrate too hard. And also, you already know the people, right? Because I hate it when you watch a TV series and then it comes to the end and you're like, oh, now I've got to get into a new TV series. And the first two episodes are really difficult because you can't remember okay. who anybody is. You don't know about anybody, but you'd rather just watch the, even if the other series wasn't any good, yeah. you'd rather watch that because you know all those people already, already invested. Is there an element of that? Like, you know... Const that, it's constant, isn't it? And yeah. being, growing up when I was younger, one of the things I didn't have much of was consistency or boundaries and one of these tiny little things these mediocre things in my life which actually me and trevor will sit at our dinner table monday to friday monday to friday is not glamorous weekends are glamorous but so we don't do this on weekends mm. but monday to friday we have our dinner and we watch extenders and that, that happens every, sometimes we're not there because i'm at work or whatever but like that's what we do and that that is like my safe space and it, wow. and it worked and we've done it for over a hundred years. <laughs> but yeah, that's and, and, and it's like a, it's like a dinner show with people that I know. And if anyone walked into the room and saw what we were doing, I'd be mortified. I'd be like, don't look at us! Oh my God, it's so interesting you say that because in the first episode, I was talking about something that I liked that was mediocre, but okay. I immediately was like, you, I couldn't tell other people. No. I could just do it with this other person I was in a relationship with at the time. Okay. Yeah, it, like there is, there's a certain amount of, Shame's maybe too strong a word. So vulnerable and personal. Yeah, it's really it's vulnerable. It's because it's seeing you as you really are. It's what the show is about, folks. Come and see it on tour. But it's about, like, it is about somebody seeing you for who you are yeah. and what you like. We were actually, we were leaving a club because we were really cool the other day and we were walking behind. Kicked out again. Um, we weren't kicked out. We're not that we cool. We didn't, <laughs> and that night we didn't even stay till the end, which is impressive. But we were, there was a couple of people in front of us who we knew and we were talking about lunch the next day and I whispered to Kate that I might do my secret thing for lunch and they turned around and were like, what is it? And it, all it is is that I go somewhere, which I now I wish I'd not said because I'm not going to say. <laughs> oh, um, you have to um, say. No, no, oh. maybe, tune in next time. Um, <laughs> what is David for lunch? It's not actually, like, I mean, it feels horribly, like, embarrassing and shameful, but you're like, I don't know why you do that, blah, blah, blah. But it is that kind of, like, it's also something that I considered talking about as mediocre and then I was like, do you know what, I'm not brave enough yet okay <laughs> and i think because i have a, a few years on you and a bit older you i have grown through that i think because i've always been embarrassing and weird and ridiculous and it gets to a point in your life what has for me where you just i'm sick of keeping up the pretense so mm. it's just much easier just to be me and just do it and actually i don't give a fuck anymore to be honest mostly it's not always true but mostly and so the liking goal. the crappy musicals i like or the ridiculousness that i like or 
trying to think what else I can out myself as liking now. It's much, Me. much easier. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> no, no, that's <laughs> too far. Um, it just becomes easier. I think that's definitely a getting older thing, though. I think yeah. by the time you're, God, I'm a middle-aged woman, by the time you're a middle-aged woman, you're either ridiculous or invisible. I was talking to a woman on the tube on the way here. The fact that I was even talking to a woman on the tube says it all. She was 61 and going off to Notting Hill Carnival. Uh, cause that's taking place on the day that we're filming, and she said, "You know, people just laugh at me." She done quite a lot about her life. Oh, in I know stops. Yeah. people are disgusting. Yeah, but so, but in a way, at my age now, you lean into it. Well, I look forward to being a middle-aged woman. Yeah, what about you, I am. <laughs> I think I've just been this talking about that for the last ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say you've got a second thing? I've got seventeen items, so I'm just trying to get out what is the most. Is needed... it ten items or less? <laughs> I'm getting you to me a task. <laughs> I've been researching it the minute you texted me yesterday. <laughs> I thought we could have done two episodes with Jeremy. <laughs> so I have, I'm not going to go into it as, uh, as much detail. So the other things that I think are really mundane are... Just do one of them and maybe we'll get you back another time. Okay, fair enough. So the other thing that I wanted to bring up today was my love of the M25. Oh my God, I'm so glad you brought this up. When, he meant, when we were talking about this, you were like, maybe I'll talk about the M25. I was like, yes. I mean, it's useful-ish. So it's it's not that the use of it I'm not particularly that bothered about you know because I'm on it every day I I am an M25er can't even imagine you driving oh my god what I drive, drive all the time BMW oh. I know. do that makes total sense Lads! yeah <laughs> I lean into my, I lean into my ladness um, Daddy be proud what um, so <laughs> I um, am more interested in its history than anything else because it's surprisingly interesting it. it surprisingly interesting. It really is. My dad talks to me about the M25. It is. Well, I've got books on it. So, um, but I, basically it costs, here's some facts for you about the M25. So every mile costs around £8 million. It took 11 years to, 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 to create, uh, to, to, to be built. But actually it was only finished in 1986, which is relatively not Recent, that long ago. Yeah. But you think about the M25 being this like beast of like, you know, the satellite towns and, and great London without it, what would we do? You know, and, Everyone was assuming that it was going to be this amazing thing of thing taking is, the traffic out of central London. It is super recent because, it, like, the Dartford Crossing, the second Dartford Crossing, the bridge, was opened when I was a kid because we drove over it <gasps> uh, just after the Queen, like, pulled the little, what do you call it, like, the curtain. Oh. The QE2 bridge, yeah. And, like, so I was, I'm old, like, not only was I alive, but I was old enough to remember. So it would have been, like, early 90s. So. The bridge is beautiful. I love that bridge. It's really majestic. Yeah. Oh, I've got beef for that bridge. Oh. Yeah. Because we were lied to. Oh my god, that we were going to stop paying Correct. for it. Yes, I knew. <laughs> we were going to stop paying for it once it had paid itself back. And Correct. it paid itself back and now years it? ago. French. Yeah, it's disgusting. Making money on our crossings. I'm on that twice a day. So when I go to work, I have to pay the privilege of paying two. This is not what rate. I would expect two gays to be talking about on a podcast <laughs> and getting all excited about the toll road. There's some gays that listen to this right now, but hopefully, who are like. I feel so seen. Right. <laughs> right. No, I like, yes, genuinely. I think it's so fascinating that it paid for itself ages ago. Ages ago. So and also the other thing. Where does the revenue go now? To its owners. The French. The French own it. We've <laughs> sold it to the French. Fact check that later, please. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> well, what Trevor said. But the thing is, what, I, what the other thing that really naffs me off about it that I don't understand is uh-huh. years ago when there was little toll booths and we were giving jobs to everybody and you had to throw your £2.50 oh, in a bucket yeah. right yeah, and there was all queues and it made t- <laughs> right oh my god what if it <laughs> terrible at throwing didn't get taught to do it at school <laughs> money's going everywhere anyway um, but so there was queues because there was toll booths they get rid of the toll booths now it's an automated thing there's still queues how's that possible it's to do I would imagine with the slowing down of traffic and it all bunches but that makes sense on the 
on the tunnel, but it doesn't make sense on the bridge because there's enough. But it's slower. You drive over slower there. You don't stay at the. North. I mean, do you? Well, it's fifty. Once you get on it, everyone's it looking at London, aren't they, on the right hand side? Yeah, going, so oh, once you get on it, it moves. But it's oh, like slow going every time. It's insane. Anyway, but it causes traffic to bounce when they slow My down. My ears always go a little bit. I get a bit like headed. Do you? <laughs> you need a, need a, need one of those sucky sweets that you used to get on a plane. Mm-hmm. Also, why don't you get sweets on a plane anymore when you're like COVID, isn't it? No, but way before COVID, what, all free sandwiches. Well, yeah, that's money though. But they used to give you sweets to pop thing? your ears when you would land, yeah. and now what your ears just don't pop? Is it because money. cabins are more pressurized? No, money. But your ears don't pop in the same way that they used to. Going back to the M25. <laughs> <laughs> it's so easy to get distracted, sorry. No, so, I mean, so there, there, there's all sorts of interesting reasons why, but the, like the engineering behind it, so, and I am a bit, I, I am a bit of a, 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 a geek when it comes to like um, big engineering products, uh, projects of history gone by, like I'm obsessed with like trains or like tunnels or whatever. So, <laughs> I mean, that's like tunnels or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, I just want it really be fascinating and because I'm on it so much, it is... It, it's an incredibly, I'm proud that I'm proud to say that I like it. There's no like, I'm, I'm not ashamed to be like I'm interested in the N25 because let me tell you, here's a book on it called like the London Aut- Orbital, Orbital, yeah, and it, it's got some facts in it that it's just so interesting about who was building it. The Irish came over and finished it off. It's just, it's just incredible, and it sounds so boring. Here's my book on the M25. Enjoy, because you, know, you will. One of my first favourite books as a child was a Ladybird book about trains, and I remember all the pictures in it so clearly. But the logistics of all of that, and then how you keep them running and operating, and I love those oh. behind-the-scenes programs. They do one at Paddington, they do one on the rails. They've done it on motorways as well, and. Just what it takes just to keep something that we take for granted operational and moving, I find ridiculously fascinating. I wonder if anybody else thinks it's actually mediocre if mainly people just hate it. Like, I wonder if it actually sits below mediocre. I suppose it depends on how the role it plays in your life. I think some people would, if you were to say, I've got a documentary about a road, are you interested? I'm not sure. Yes, I'm there. (laughs) I will not be a fan. Winding this up now, Jeremy, tell us something that's mediocre about you. Um, so, I, like we mentioned earlier, so growing up in the um, 90s, um, being closeted, there was lots of things that I made myself be, be like press the mediocre button on full wag, but in my sort of more adulty brain, something that makes me me- um, mediocre is definitely, I can be really vapid. I can be such a vapid, self-absorbed bitch. Really? To, to like not not two people, but like literally, I go to the bathroom and three hours later, I'm in there looking at my eyebrows, being like, huh. oh, oh, no, I did not know that about you. Oh, oh, like oh my god, oh. <laughs> what? Yeah. So, and I then look at myself and go, what? It doesn't matter. Of course it doesn't matter. But every now and then, because I grew up really big as a weighty child, I was heavy. Mm. And I've lost that weight now as well. And I'm not I'm not sitting here thinking, oh my, wait, am I like a model? But there's things that doors won't open to me back then, which, are, you know, every now and then I might get a bit of attention from a bloke if I'm out, which had never happened 10 years ago. Like it's, it's, so there's a, it goes to a very young teen part of my yeah. brain that's looking for acceptance. So therefore, I'll, I'll, I'll analyse it too much and then I'll think, okay, so my eyebrows have to be really like... Basically, I'm a 12-year-old girl. It, it, it likes being like, is my skirt... Like, is that like... I don't mean that to be sexist. I mean that into... I, uh, when I was looking at the 12-year-old girls that I grew up with, that's yeah. the sort of stuff that they yeah. were really 
hyper obsessing over. And I have to pull myself back out of it because I do think that it doesn't benefit me and it doesn't benefit the company that I keep either. It's a it's a lack of internal validation. Correct. Have you read Velvet Re- The Velvet Rage? No. You haven't? I've never, never even heard of it. How did... <laughs> oh my God, I give Vapid. this book to people. Yeah. All the friends in my life, all the games in my life, I end up leading. Yeah. It's an incredibly it's... important book, I think. Yeah, we'll it's... put links in under there. Yeah, we'll put a link okay. in. It's about... Yeah. Um, it's basically... Uh, the Velvet Rage is basically about... Um, growing up gay and searching for the validation that you don't have inside you in the rest of the world. And it's why it's what it's, it has this thing in it called um, best little boy in the world syndrome, where basically you're just desperately trying to be the best at everything you do. It's why there's a disproportionate amount of gay men at the top of like fashion, TV, business, because we're, we're trying to show that we're perfect because we feel like there's something inside that we've been taught that. Oh my God. Well, this isn't perfect. In- incredible. I'm, it, yeah. One of the actual notes that I've got down here is, um, the other thing that's made up about me is I don't read books. Well, let's get you the audio book. <laughs> oh, would you mind? <laughs> let's get you the audio book on yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you. I've got like two credits to you. So yeah. let's get you the audio book. No, genuinely, uh, uh, like I recommend any gay people or anybody that's got like a, a gay man, more specifically men in your life that you want to try and understand better. Yep. It, it talks about the three stages of being a gay man um, and not everybody makes it to the third stage. And it, it's genuinely a really powerful book thank and you. it totally speaks to what you're talking about there. It's completely that searching for the external validation and eventually getting to the point where you don't need it. You 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 realise that it's your internal validation that you need. One of the things that I found fascinating in it um, and reading it, I guess as um, as an ally to the male gay friends in my life, and then okay, luckily we I'm realising I'm queer as well. But it is different. But um, one of the points that really came out of it to me was that even if you grew up in a, a really accepting, tolerant where there wasn't a big coming out trauma. Um, the fact of growing up othered just by society because heteronormative society uh, and what that does. So even it's not just about having, you know, uh, parents who threw you out or anything else. Sorry, I'm not minimising that. But it's not about that. Even if you had a relatively benign upbringing with being gay growing up, it still is incredibly compromising, I think, to that sense of self and that Yeah, it's like because there's just a... It talks a lot about how even if it's not outwardly they're put on you that what you are is wrong or different, there's enough in society that teaches you that that's the case, that you inherently know by the way other people treat you that there is something wrong and that it's something less than. And so you make up for it by overcompensating, becoming an amazing fashion designer or brilliant at music or whatever it is. Um, or some other people do it by like having loads and loads of sex because they need the validation that comes in that moment of somebody else accepting them yeah so it's and it's why a lot of gay relationships can be more difficult because you meet at that trauma point if you've got two people who aren't who haven't dealt with their trauma yet yeah then like you end up with a very different dynamic to just two say straight people who have grown up in a different world it's a really good book for parents of gay children to read yes, as well actually i actually think there's an episode of eastenders that covers this oh my god <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i mean how is that possible yeah i will i will I, i'm sure it's on youtube i will make sure i put the link just here okay amazing right I think we're going to get you back for another episode. Yes, at some yes, point please, uh, what have you got that you want to promote, Jeremy? So the Comedy Cliff is a monthly open mic night. Um, it returns in October. Um, we are at the Comedy Cliff on uh, all the socials as well. It is a free event. It's in a beautiful venue uh, just off Bar High Street. And we always have a really uh, diverse and inclusive mix of people on. And I host it. And it's, it's a giggle. And God knows we need some of that right now, right? Sounds amazing. Oh, yes. Plus, 
you are going to be hosting our very first. So Kate and I are starting the Queer Comedy Club, which is going to be at Zodiac Bar on the 17th of September. Yikes. And you are going to be our first host. It's going to be incredible. I'm so excited. It's genuinely... Such a good lineup. It's just yeah. such a good lineup, And I just think it's going to be... The venue's awesome. And it's in, you know, central London. We're going to have such a good... On a Saturday night. On a Saturday night, we're going to have clubbing afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. We're just, you know, we're going to... So tickets for that are £5. And you can get them on davidian.co.uk. They're Beautiful. available now. Um, come for it... the laughing stay for the dancing yeah I'm going to make that nice not too. our dancing though no I mean they are the same thing really they are and what is your what are your socials your personal like your um, it's at jeremy.pop p-o-p-p just to confuse everybody um, jeremy.pop was actually taken by a porn star you were taken by that's a still sounds like a story for another time thank you very much in an X-rated in a late a night late, yeah. edition Media could the podcast late okay amazing thank you Jeremy this has been a incredible pleasure. really fantastic thanks for it's listening everybody wonderful. you can get me on Instagram at Mr David Ian and me at KTS Dale and we will see you all soon thanks for listening bye Thanks for listening to Mediocre Gay, the podcast. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps other people find the show. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Mediocre Gay Pod. Or share your mediocre secrets with us on MediocreGayPod at gmail.com.